Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown. Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. Today, we are going to, just the two of us, discuss a just topic. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. What a tune. That really brings me back to, I think the first time I heard that was Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> what a great movie. What a great so couple cultured. of movies. Oh, I know. What can I say? Austin Powers taught me more about the 60s and 70s than any book ever will. So today we're talking about Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I put a post on Instagram during the week uh, and we thought it might be a good topic of discussion based on the fact that I've actually had conversations like this in the past, especially when I first um, got into the fitness industry, I suppose. And I, I thought it would something on everyone's mind anyway. It's kind of relevant to people, definitely within sports and within coaching, but also um, with any other job, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I, when I, as soon as I saw the post, you know, I was like, this would be a sick topic to talk about. And let's do it the next episode instead of what we were going to talk about initially. But yeah, do you want to tell, you want to tell people what's, what it's about? Well... Basically, there's always this topic of discussion as to whether qualifications or experience matters more. Now, obviously, we could go down and dig into the weeds and go experience means more, qualifications mean more, blah, blah, blah. What we really want to kind of do is just kind of delve into what experience can get you um, and what you can learn from experience, but also the importance of having some qualifications because you know, although obviously the post for me was about no one since I started really coaching any of my athletes has asked me at all what qualifications I have achieved. I don't necessarily think that that means to say that they aren't important at all. Um, and I had a few messages actually from people saying, so are you like, you know, our qualifications, nothing. And but obviously, you know, that's not what I was insinuating, but there's certain topics that qualifications do not get you they do not make you learn certain things uh, and so that's essentially what I thought would be well, that's kind of what I was going into the topic about really yeah um, just a bit of context though your post was sort of about your I guess your journey through through coaching right mm. and from when you first started out with coaching and, and with King Sport and stuff to, well, even prior to that, yeah, um, up to today where you, um, well, one, you run your coaching business um, and platform as well as multiple weightlifting clubs. Um, I'm just, I'm just here to cheer you on. Man. I know you are. Um, but, you know, do you, do you want to tell people a little bit about that kind of trajectory of how you got to where you are in terms of, the qualifications that you did and as well as the maybe the experiences like you say that you gain along the way and um how that both of those influences mm. have sort of shaped your your career and your coaching today 
Yeah, yeah. So I started uni back in 2012. Um, obviously, like a lot of coaches, or at least most coaches, they'll go into, say, like sports science, S&C, sports coaching, that kind of realm, kind of like fitness qualifications at uni. Um, so I did sports science at uni. Uh, and I'll, I'll fast forward through that because, you know, obviously graduated. I graduated in 2015. I was lucky enough to, through the three years, work with my best mate at uni um, and his brother who opened a CrossFit gym. And so that was really my first coaching role uh, in uni whilst I was getting qualifications. And so for me, it was great because I was getting the experience of coaching people and applying what I was learning at university in, um, you know, in a client facing role, I guess especially to like general population, because the difficult thing is going from knowing or having a lot of this knowledge and then trying to apply that into elite sports, which a lot of people who come out of university try to do, but yet they don't have any experience of teaching things in layman's terms. And ultimately they forget that actually athletes are also human as well. They don't care really about, any of the scientific stuff unless they actually ask you specifically this is what i want to know why are we doing this is usually the question that i get asked then you can go into your scientific background so i graduated in 2015 like most people i got an internship i worked for no money for months on end uh, and i got a side job that I had shit pay basically um i took a job at a health clinic after about six months i won't name it just because you know for obvious reasons i don't want to throw it under the bus or whatever uh, and i fucking hated it like that and that's that's, that's an understatement <laughs> yeah and i hated it you know i didn't hate the people i just hated the way that it ran i hated the structure of it i hated that i didn't have any autonomy that i wasn't able to kind of have my own way of doing things you know and also really earn my own money i know that sounds stupid because people like you get into a job and, and and employers pay you a salary right so technically you are earning money but it's not your own money and so essentially i got into the post and i said like you generally will always earn more money for a company than they will ever pay you and that has been true since the time i graduated in 2015 until 2020 when i owned my own business and so I got through an internship, luckily, after I quit the old health clinic, um, I got an internship at a uni and then got offered a job. And five years later, worked my way up from intern to head of s &C. This is obviously where I met Yushuan. And for me, the biggest thing over that kind of from 2015 to 2021, that's, how long was that? Six years. I'm so bad at maths. That six year period. The biggest thing that I learned over that period of time was gaining connections with the right people, learning how to coach people, like soft skills, which are not taught to you in qualifications. And I'm sure that we can touch on that, but also just experience like programming, coaching for different sports, learning, you know, how different athletes require different things actually communicating with people on a daily basis and trying to manage um, different things. And, you know, obviously that's all paid off quite a lot since I left that role in 2021 and now obviously owning the business where, I mean, I quit that job 
with four clients and you were one of them my the other one was hang on so was it just because i read your post and you said you had four clients three of which were what you you your mom my mom my brother and my now wife who was my girlfriend obviously when i first started last year and you yeah i did not know that so i had four (laughs) clients you and you were the first one because obviously you were apart from m one of the only ones that i told that i was starting the business and i think is i didn't even say i was starting i said so i've got this idea what do you think and you were like do it just do it and you know so i had four clients back in 2021 this was in april or may and then i obviously released it and, and so on and so forth and you know now kind of over 40 clients which is fantastic for me um you know and it's not necessarily about like, okay, now I've got four, I've got 40, whatever, but it's like the fact that for the longest period of time, I always thought that having qualifications were the most important thing and it would get me the job. And yet I have, I'm, this is not a brag, but I am earning more than I ever have. Humble brag. Humble brag. I mean, it's not like I'm fucking earning millions, is it? Let's let's be honest. It's coaching. I'm earning right. more than I ever have, yeah. and also, I'm. I feel like the time that I'm investing into that is worth more, versus working sixty-hour weeks in my old job and getting paid. Well, <laughs> basically minimum wage. <laughs> uh, so yeah. And, and really, I guess, kind of what, what am I sort of actually insinuating is that when I left university, and people talk about this all the time of the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you get out of university and you're like, I'm shit hot, I know everything. But actually, the, the more you learn, the less you actually think you know. And I came out of university and I was like, I'm going to get a job in elite sport. I'm going to be earning loads. And within a year... I was like, that is not going to happen. Yeah. And you obviously did sports science at university, but I can see that being a very common thing, even outside of that, even at sort of, yeah. I don't want to say lower level stuff, but lower level stuff. You know, when people, when they get their level two, level three PT qualifications and they think that they're going to be the next best S&C coach and coach a sports team, you know, straight mm. out of coming out of those qualifications from Pure Gym. And okay with that in mind and with you know what you've said and your yeah, kind of yeah. path and journey so far and how it's gone you to being the, the coach that you are and being able to be versatile and learning skills to yeah. be able to effectively coach athletes from different sports etc what's the point of qualifications for me i think qualifications are a standard so it tells people that you are coaching or people that that see you as other coaches that you hold yourself to a certain standard. And I think that's really important because like you said, and we've mentioned this many times in podcasts that anybody can become a coach, which is a good thing, but at the same time, it means that the industry is massively saturated with shit coaches, which is not a good thing at all. Um, So one, I think it's good for having a high standard in our industry because otherwise we'd have a shitload of, I mean, we do have a shitload of cowboy fitness um, coaches, you know, like cowboy builders. 
Um, cowboys. Yeah, I think number two as well, it teaches you how to learn new things. It teaches you how to be at the forefront of being able to be adaptable to certain things. You know, I know plenty of people who still do the same things 40, now than they did 40 years ago because they're like, well, what's the point in changing? And I, I agree that some principles and some standards remain, have remained the same, you know, with strength training, but at the same time, there's a lot of new things that have come out in research that have allowed us to progress the field of strength and conditioning. So it's important to have that level of, of base understanding so that we can make sure that we're doing the basics correctly and right but it's also important to know that once the basics are done, how else can we help improve athletes, clients, coaches? Um, and qualifications can take so many other forms. It's not just like do your weightlifting qualification. It could be like a nutrition course. It could be a soft skills course where you learn how to communicate to people, how you program. I don't know how you deal with injuries, how you build trust and respect but I would say ultimately that comes more from experience than it does from qualifications. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, an analogy would be like a driving test, right? It's a standardized yes. test, uh, which I've failed by the way, but <laughs> it doesn't passing your driving test. Doesn't mean that you're a quote unquote good driver. No, this means that you've theoretically you've met a standard, right? So yeah, with that in mind, and I, you know, do you think that, there is a good standard within strength and conditioning within your field because, and the, I suppose the next part of that is because in your post, you said that, you know, none of your clients and none of your athletes have ever asked you about your qualifications. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't, it, to be honest, it didn't cross my mind. Like, but what do you think that means? It's a good <sighs> It's a good question. I think it, it, it's always a difficult one to answer because ultimately it does mean that if people are less likely, if, if you're coaching lots of people, and this is the problem with lots of fitness influencers, is they have a large amount of following. And I'm not saying that they don't have lots of qualifications or experience at all. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that because there's such a low barrier of entry, Anybody can do it, which is good. But on the other hand, it means anybody can do it. <laughs> and that's the biggest problem is that standard slip. And so having these industry qualifications means that the people that go through those qualifications, you know, in yourself, maybe not the athletes you coach, but as a coach myself, I feel proud that I have done the qualifications that I have because I can say to myself that I've gone through that process more importantly, and we've spoken about this a few times, but these qualifications cost a lot of money and they take a lot of time. So if I've put all of these hours into studying for these qualifications and I hold myself to a higher standard, that means I've got more skin in the game than other coaches do. And I'm not saying that not having these qualifications don't make you a good coach. I know lots of coaches that don't have NSCA or UKSCA, which are two kind of industry leading qualifications does that mean they're not good coaches no it doesn't but for me i'm proud that i've got those two and i also have the experience 
Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, Whether it... um, to, sorry. No, no, go for it. Well, just to relate to that, the, the fact that most of the coaches that have been the best for me and most of the coaches that I've had in my riding and eventing and, and even before in show jumping, you know, have they didn't have the um, sort of standardized qualifications for coaching what they did have was a wealth of experience both in coaching as well as competing themselves and i think that mm. those those um those kind of speak for themselves don't they you know when you see one you see that someone has been extremely competitive and successful within within the sport that they're coaching yeah. and two that they have also successfully coached other riders within the sport to a high level and to be honest that's a, that could be a whole separate conversation yeah, yeah. whether being or having been a good athlete makes you a good coach and vice versa but you know that would be something when i look for a coach and i kind of look for one that would be a good fit for me within the riding and and, and anything else like that would sort of be the standard that i'd I'd look for you know how competitive they were and how much they know the sport personally from from their own experience yeah. and perspective and what has their coaching experience been but i suppose when i asked you what you thought it meant when no one has asked you about your qualifications i think more of what i was going for was do you think that means that their clients and athletes do you think that they don't value the qualifications as such or mm. or is it the other way because i in a sense the fact that i've never asked you or yeah. it's never crossed my mind is partially i think because it's a bit of a given you know i i kind of expect you to be at least qualified yeah. um, to do your job because you know you go into your doctor surgery and you don't ask your doctor to show his qualifications from going through <laughs> med school uh, or you just assume that he is a doctor yeah or yeah they, or they she is a doctor um <laughs> the same with you know if you go see a physio you don't go like oh are you are you qualified um, yeah yeah do you know what i mean so which one do you think it is or, or which one do you think most of your clients and athletes lean towards to be quite honest with you i think nowadays especially with with the majority of high level athletes that I work with yourself Elsa you know Veronica um even a couple of the footballers as well but I I think people are able to 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 weed it out pretty quickly um I I are 100% I believe that if you thought that I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about we would not have got this far and I think that the other thing as well is I'm honest. If I don't know something, I'm going to ask you. And if, if I don't ask you, then I'll bloody try and find out what the answer is, yeah. you know, but ultimately. Well, I remember just an anecdote for everyone listening. I remember when I first started working with you as my SNC coach, I personally had never worked with an SNC coach before for riding. Mm. Um, actually I have, previously and i'm not going to name any names or affiliations because they were absolutely shit like and i think i've told you about this right <laughs> but 
you know, we had a sort of a consultation or a meeting or whatever. And then the next session I came in and you had a stack of, of papers that you mm. just printed out the sort of academic papers about SNC for equestrian sports and SNC for riders and, and things that we could maybe explore and we could incorporate yeah. in our training. And I was like, what the fuck? This guy is, he's, he's really going for it. So I was well impressed, but yeah. you know, yeah, that, yeah that's kind of that's just who you are as a coach isn't it yeah i mean i yeah i mean ultimately yeah like i the thing is is like if i work with someone i want to make sure that i understand a couple of things number one is what the sport needs number two more importantly is what they need um honestly i think the latter is most important because every sport requires something different even if there is crossover but not every athlete requires the same thing. Like I could argue that if I'm working with four different footballers, they're all going to need to be fast. They're all going to need to jump high. They're going to have to be physical. They're going to have to be pretty strong and fit. That's a fucking given. Like anyone could do that. Like it's not that hard to make someone strong. It really isn't. But managing load, understanding exactly what the athlete needs at that exact time and being able to balance between we're doing pre-season work, in-season work, off-season work. What do you need as an athlete? As well as if, if an athlete comes to you and they say, like, I want to, I want to, I don't know, take you, for example, you know, one of the things that we spoke about, which I had no clue about, and I also asked you lots of questions, was to improve your seat position. Mm. Now, anyone that knows me knows that I am shit scared of horses. So I had never been on a horse ever, like never sat on a horse. I mean, I've, I've been near a horse, but we, were, we don't talk about that. Um, That's the root of this. Of <laughs> yeah. And so I actually contacted Hartbury Uni and I went down there so I could get a feel for being on the horse. And I spoke to the team and asked them, you know, what do horse riders need? And yeah, I got a lot from it. But I tell you what I got more from was just asking you questions yeah you know like where where's your balance what muscles do you feel like do you feel like and also trial and error you know i think people are really scared to try things and not necessarily fail but if you the best way to learn is by working with someone you know Mm. and luckily most of the things that we've done have worked hopefully i don't know if they have but so far they have I don't know whether that's luck or whether that's just preparation. Um, and I, going back to the point that I made, I, I genuinely think that most people nowadays are likely to know that you're, you're, sh- you're bullshitting them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't want to feel like that. I want to know that what I'm telling them is, is, is true. Because ultimately, if they're paying you to, to coach them, like... I want to make sure that I'm giving them the best chance possible to succeed in what they're doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think, I think I agree with you. The fact that it's, it's quite easy to weed out, you know, the, the good, the good ones from the not so good ones to the Mm. shit ones. But I think that, and there's a strong argument, like you say, to be made for, having certain qualifications to have a base 
or foundational level of knowledge and understanding of what you're doing and there are a lot mm. of fields i think which lack qualification um yeah you know like i think for example with my sport and even outside of the sport element of it just having horses working with horses owning horses i think there should be stricter standards for it because you know it is one it's extremely dangerous and a lot can go wrong but two and this is a massive point from a welfare point of view for the horses and an animal welfare point of view as well as welfare for riders i think you know in a lot of ways there are things that we do and practices that are quite old-fashioned and they've not really developed alongside the the science and what we know now and i think the more standardization and general education and understanding would benefit our field but at the same time i think that there are qualifications that you can get and the sort of the essence of having standardized qualifications is that it's for as many people to have right it could be branched out and on a large scale so in many ways it could be too standardized to the point where you know you miss out a lot of things that you might be able to learn and experience from just doing it um, one 100%. intuitively or two you know through trial and error and Absolutely. so do you think that well, one, do you think that's the case for, for S&C coaching as well? But also, do you think, I'm assuming you're going to say yes, but do you think that there is a way of merging the both? Because I think from what you've said and what I think as well, the two can, the, the two both play roles in making a good, whatever it is you're qualifying for, a good coach, a good athlete. Mm. Yeah, I would, I, yeah, in short answer, I would say yes. And actually, I had a conversation with a coach um, a couple of days ago, um, which I can't say much about because it's potentially linking with Stoic Strength, but that's for another podcast. Tell me off there. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, he was like, so which, which qualifications should I do? And I'm just like... You know, I mean, just choose one. Like, ultimately, it depends where you think you need to improve, right? He was like, but you, so you would say go for UKSCA because it's probably the industry leading in the UK. And I would agree, it is. The difficult thing is, it's so difficult that it puts so many people off getting into the industry of SNC, which can be a good thing. It can. And I'm not arguing against or for it. I'm just trying to give both sides of the coin. It can be a good thing because it means that not everyone can do it. But the problem is not everyone can do it, which means that it puts off what could potentially be a lot of very good coaches because they can't do it. Mm. Does that mean that the UKCA, you have to have the UKCA? Absolutely fucking not. Not at all. If you... This is one of the dilemmas that I had in my old job was that they told me that if I wanted to stay, I'd need to get my UKSCA. Did I get my UKSCA? Yes, I did. Did I need it? Probably not, but I have it. Right, yeah. You know, so it's, I don't know, it's kind of like a catch-22. It's like, a, I've got the qualification. Did I learn anything from it? Not really. So what has it really given me? A qualification. Good question. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just a qualification, which is great for me, maybe for other people to ask. And now this is the question I'll ask you is, I'm going to give you a scenario. Let's say you didn't know me and I was trying to be your strength and conditioning coach, but you already had one or you didn't have one. I'm, I'm not a poacher. Maybe. <laughs> and no. Not and, explicitly. Uh, <laughs> so the scenario is I'm trying to get you to hire me as an S&C coach, right? Which one would you more likely to um, give your money to? So we've got two different coaches. Number one is, I'm not going to do different voices. Hey, so yeah, um, what qualifications do you want me to have? I've been to uni. I've got my British weightlifting level one, level two. I've done my UKCA, my CSCS, um, you know, coached, coached a few athletes, got some experience with, you know, Tottenham, whatever. Um, so yeah, you should hire me. Versus coach number two. Yeah, I didn't really go to uni. Um, I've got a couple of, you know, couple of qualifications, like s qualifications, um but i've i've coached probably about two to three hundred different athletes in different sports i've taken a couple of athletes to the olympic games um and that's pretty much it so you should hire me which one are you more likely to choose it's a hard argument to you know because ultimately you do need both Mm, (laughs) like but going back to the point that you made earlier that a lot of your best coaches were the ones that maybe weren't so edged, not, not weren't so educated. That's probably quite rude to say, but I mean, maybe, yeah, weren't so academic, um, but they had much more experience. So just to paint a picture, I, my current um, coach for, for my riding, my main coach, Steve, he, he is not quote unquote qualified in the sense that he's not got the um, standardized qualifications for coaching. But when I when I found him, I decided to work for him. It wasn't the qualifications that I was looking for in terms of yeah. certificates and, and portfolios and stuff. It was the fact that, one, he had competed himself up the levels to the top level internationally. And that, two, he has brought another athlete and coached another athlete up to the Olympic level and competed competing at Tokyo. Yeah. So, you know, the experience from both ends, uh, competing and coaching was what drawn me to train with him. And whilst I was training with him, you know, it goes back to the point of you're quite easily able to suss out who's good and who's not, regardless of qualifications, because a lot of things that he sort of tried with me and experimented with me. And then a lot of things that he explained to me made a lot of sense and mm. it was clear that in many ways, you know, he knew what he was talking about. And so the same with you going back to when we first started working together and I, you know, I kind of assumed that you were qualified anyway, but had you not been qualified and we worked together anyway, like starting off with you doing a shitload of research on through, I don't know, academic journals about equestrian sports and, and biomechanics and whatever, mm. to the fact that you've gone away and did more research, whether that's through Heartpree or so or watching riders and the kind of collaborative element as well with me and asking what I needed mm-hmm. from that to, you know, the way that you coached me um 
whether that's through the communicating and and as well as the way that you explained you know what we're doing and how that's going to influence my riding and why we're doing certain exercises yeah. and your attention to detail for those doing those exercises and making sure that I was doing them properly and being able to track you know is there progress within my training and then is it carrying over to the riding all yeah. of those things aren't I think they all trump just having a qualification do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. At that point, the at that point of having worked together for that amount of time, I think had I then found out that you weren't qualified, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. And and I guess to to be quite honest, that was kind of what I was going. That was kind of the point I was trying to make was that. People think that qualifications make you a good coach. And I would agree that they certainly help you along the way and they get you into doors that you might not previously be able to get into. But ultimately, you could have all the qualifications in the world. But if you don't know how to apply it, if you're not a norm, you know, you're not, you don't have any soft skills. You don't know how to talk to people, how to communicate, how to manage an athlete, you know, um, manage an athlete on the friggin' biggest stage of the world. Like I went to China with Elsa. I had no clue what I was doing. And I'm, I'm quite happy to tell everybody that, Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to be like, Oh, people, he didn't even know what he was doing. What the fuck was he doing there then? <laughs> you know, well, ultimately I was there because I was lucky enough and because I was a good enough coach to help an athlete get there. So, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's difficult to explain to people because like, there's probably a lot, a lot more coaches that are better than I am that would have been better in that situation. But was I the right person at that right situation for that current athlete? A hundred percent. Yes. Um, and the point that I made at the end of the post, and I always come back to this is that, Athletes don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I feel like a lot of the athletes that I have worked with, I, at least I would hope they know how much that I care about them, not just about their performance, because that's only one side of the coin. We had this conversation just a couple of days ago, you know, and it's not just about being there when the athlete is doing well. It's making sure that you're there when the athlete needs you. Mm. And that's the important bit. You know, you could have some fantastic athletes, but ultimately there are going to be far more challenges along the way than just an athlete getting a gold medal once or twice. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and it, I, I've had to deal with loads of situations where athletes potentially aren't doing as well as they want to it's a fact of life. It's the same with your job. Yeah. You're looking at it now. <laughs> yeah. But you know, ultimately where we're, it's nice because we're working together and we had, I think actually we had this conversation a few podcasts ago where like, actually it was the last podcast where we were talking about, you know, maybe one season does go as well as the season before, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing badly. It just means that, from your perspective you think that you're doing worse but you're not yeah 
Yeah. It's just this season maybe isn't going so well. Yeah. And so actually, as a coach, it's also important to manage those expectations and not just be there to be their fan, but also to make sure that they just keep going and you're there to just support them regardless. Yeah. 100%. I've had a conversation with Issa, actually, who he said that his, you know, his strength coach is almost like his psychologist as well. You know, nowhere near as qualified as, you know, your, you know, your guys' psychologist, but... I feel like sometimes athletes are more likely to tell their strength coach things than they are to tell their sports coaches or their psychologists. Or I know we have a different relationship because we're also, you know, best friends as well, right? Very good friends. But I don't know. I've definitely found that even though I'm not best friends with certain athletes, they're more likely to tell me stuff with their performance. I thought we had something special. No, we do. (laughs) We definitely do. Uh, <laughs> are, are you quick, quickly changing the uh i know that you're you come from a philosophy background you know emmanuel kant don't you not personally but yeah very i've read, I mean, his, read his stuff i know his stuff. stuff yeah some of his stuff so i saw a quote on on um i think it was was it instagram it might have been instagram uh and it was uh, let me remember this oh, actually i wrote it down and I thought it was really nice. This is what prompted me actually to write the uh, the post about it was it's beyond a doubt that all our knowledge begins with experience. Mm. And I was sat, kind of sat there thinking like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's quite interesting, actually. I guess it's sort of like the idea that ultimately to have that knowledge, you have to be able to ex- apply that experience and vice yeah. versa you have to be able to have that experience to be able to gain the knowledge of what you learn through that experience mm. so they kind of go hand in hand yeah kind absolutely. of 100%. Um, and, and you know they that's really interesting because just to draw it back to my sport uh, uh, there is um there's an old saying um from one of the sort of what we call the masters of of riding yeah age you know he an old guy um but he was incredible Some old dude <laughs> and my dad also reminds me of this a lot actually and the quote goes something like there are two things that you shouldn't do one is let your books get dusty and two is let your boots get moldy yes i love so, that talk the talk yeah 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 learning and understanding the theories and the knowledge is as important as applying it actually going yeah. out and applying it and feeling it and doing it yourself so I, I think that's really poignant for this discussion but you know and to caveat what i said earlier about about coaches not being stand having standardized qualifications but the depth of experience i also know many coaches and have coaches who have both you know and and that is ultimately the ideal situation you know someone who understands all the theories and the knowledge and the science and is also able to apply it and communicate that in an effective way Mm. and to what you said about what was it that someone doesn't i don't care how much you know until i know how much you care i I think that is true 
for for everyone and and you know when i'm looking for a coach i want someone who cares in the sense that i want someone who's invested in mm. me and my my performance and my progression and my results in the sense of my successes and my failures be a part of that and what comes with that is caring enough to be able to communicate and explain things to me in a way that is effective for me yeah you know, in a way that will benefit me in a way that i will i can understand and go try it out but also in ways that would make me confident you know make me feel good make me love doing what i'm doing because all those things also play roles in my performance but the coach and the person in charge of that has to care enough about me and my performance to to do those things mm. and so you know if if someone didn't care and someone didn't care about how the person they're coaching is feeling or you know <laughs> whether certain things are saying is affecting their confidence or they're not understanding certain things i mean i could just go read a book you know i, I don't yeah I, yeah I can go find that information myself and i think that's the kind of world we live in now yeah especially when the information in terms of the knowledge on paper and the science and all the theories that's all out there all the resources are out there and very accessible you know they're readily available for pretty much anyone to access so then what does a coach bring to the table what does a physical human coach mm. bring to the table on top of that do you know what i mean yeah absolutely that's a perfect way to phrase it yeah, because everybody can do the same qualifications. They're standardized at the end of the day. If you have enough time, if you are able to sit down and do them, if you have enough money as well, I guess, because they're expensive. Um, and if you're willing to put the time in to do them, but ultimately, like you say, they don't make the person that you are. They don't make the coach that you are. The experience does. And I, I find that the older that you get as a coach, the more important that is to understand. And obviously yeah. I'm not that yeah. old, but, you know, I, I, like I mentioned, I came out of uni and I, a lot of people have this. They have what's known as the Dunning-Kruger effect where you think you know everything. And I mentioned this right at the start. And then you actually realize that you don't really know all that much. Mm. Um, which can be scary, but ultimately it's exciting because there's so much more to learn. Yeah. Um, and once you've been able to learn that and be on the right track, uh, then it's just about gaining as much experience as you can. Because uh, I don't think I would be the coach that I am without the amount of people that I've been able to coach even if it's just like one session, you know, one session and then they're gone because you have to make a big impact in that one session. So go on then. Like what are, let's, let's go with that. What are the main things you would say you have learned from, from experience, from, from experience in coaching and working with people, things that you wouldn't have otherwise learned mm. from, from, from reading books or gaining qualifications. What are those main things would you say that have, that have shaped you the most as a coach? Ooh, I, I would say the first job that I had at the CrossFit gym, 
the experience that I gained from that was actually being able to coach anybody, office workers, mums, dads, kids, how to do the basic things, how to squat, how to hinge, how to push, how to pull. Um, and also just how to train hard, which might sound really silly, but to like general population, there's a fine line between training hard um, and also being able to kind of pull back the reins a little bit. Right. Um, I would say how to, yeah. So how to actually coach people, you know, how to actually put things into layman's terms and explain, you know, how to do certain things. I could read a paper and it could tell me the correct balance that I need in a snatch and a clean and jerk. But if I go and tell someone that and it doesn't work, then it's basically useless. It's null and void. So how do I get around that? Well, I have to coach as many people as I can because then I can figure out how to problem solve that if it ever comes up. The more people you can see with that problem, the easier you are at being able to fix that problem if they ever come up in different scenarios. So how to coach, how to program. You know, I know this sounds silly. Programming isn't everything. I would say coaching is more important, but ultimately programming, what I mean is how to manage load, how to deal with injuries, what that athlete actually requires, the right amount. Are they doing too much? Um, you know, how to progress, how to regress, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how to communicate. Um, we did a podcast on this, how to build trust and relationships and respect, which is not something that you are taught in, in books at all. How to just be a frigging human. Like I, this is the main thing that I love about coaching is just being able to help. And some of my best friends have come from coaching them. Yeah. You know, and I love that because you have such deep connections with these, with, you know, you're a perfect example that you don't just see the good side of things. You talk about the stuff that doesn't go well. You talk about things outside of the sport, you know, you talk, and I don't do this with everybody, of course, like, you know, not everyone is happy to share that, but like I go back to the point, some of my best friends are weightlifters. Some of my best friends, you know, you, and I think, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think people, you can't get that from having no experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100%. Being able to figure out a fine line between managing the relationship between obviously getting things too personal versus maybe some people need a little bit less personal. Um, and I remember using the example of, you know, Elsa being at the Olympics and managing her at the biggest stage of her career, she's shitting herself. Mm. How the hell was I able to manage that? I knew her. Yeah. That's really, I, you wouldn't be able to get that through a qualification. You yeah. That but the experience. fact that you were managing and dealing with not just an, uh, just an athlete, not just a performer, not just a loser. Is that what you call it? Um, but also a human being. Yeah, you know, a human being who is stepping onto, as you say, the biggest stage of her life. Yeah, stepping yeah. onto a platform that is, you know, one of the biggest goals of her career and her and her her aspirations. And you are you are dealing with that as well. 
And yeah. that's not something that can be learned through qualifications. It's not, yeah. that's not something that can be taught in a classroom, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, I was going to say experience provides you with the opportunity to know what it takes to get there mm. versus qualifications. Um, another argument as well is people always say, if you're a good weightlifter, does that make you a good weightlifting coach? Again, that's another argument. If you're a fat PT, does that make you a good PT? I don't know. But I would argue that you need to be able to know how. In fact, I would argue that I would more likely be coached by a PT that was fat, that's made himself skinny than someone who's always been ripped. Right. Because at least they know how to do it. They know the process that it took. You know, they, they lived that process. They did it themselves. Their experience speaks for themselves. Yeah. And ultimately yeah. as well, like, you know, I'm not a great weightlifter. I'd say I'm a good weightlifter, average, but I've snatched some pretty good numbers, clean jerks some pretty good numbers. And I, what I would argue is that, yes, I have the ability to be able to coach lots of different people in weightlifting, but I also understand what it takes to snatch those numbers. Hmm. And so... I think it kind of, it's not the be all end all of being a great weightlifter, but it definitely helps because going back to what I said, you know what it takes to get to that point. I think that's, that's such a good point. And I, I think that is really important and often almost overlooked yeah. because actually thinking about it now, one of the, probably the things that I value the most or I find the most important um, role of a coach or anyone who is helping me or supporting me is sort of kind of knowing what to say and what to do at the right times, you know, yeah. at the most, especially at the most crucial moments, you know, when I'm, yeah. when I'm walking the course or when I'm warming up or when I'm just about to go into the start box, when the countdown's about to start yeah. or when I'm next into the arena, those are times where I feel I guess the most most vulnerable or mm. there's or the most volatile you know there's the most going on yeah. and I think it's so important to have people around me that know what to say to me yeah for sure and if they don't know what to say to me and they say the wrong things that's a lot worse than yeah, someone saying I would that. agree um someone telling telling me something that completely throws me off confidence wise or or makes me double double think or overthink something you know that's a lot worse than someone just being silent yeah but you kind of only know what to say in a sense if you've been there yourself you've felt those same emotions you've mm -hmm. gone through the same experiences obviously from different perspectives as we're all different different people yeah of course you know understanding what the other person is going through and what you can do to support that um, that I feel like is such a crucial part to it and should be, you, you know, should be a, a big factor and a big consideration when, when choosing a coach. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. So to round it off, do you want to finish off rounding it off? Well, I mean, it, I, I think you pretty much did it there. Huh? I think you nailed it. Smashed it. Smashed I mean, it. It's, it is such an interesting topic, isn't it? Because I don't, I think it's 
applicable to to a lot of things you know yeah. in life and, and different jobs and different industries but i think the main thing that i've i've learned from you actually and, and from this conversation is that you know it, it kind of confirmed my belief that both are important and both kind of have their roles to play in making making you who you are as as, yeah. as a professional in what you do and as well as as a person you know it, it's you can't have one without the other and both of them give you skills to you know you you, you said like certain skills that you've acquired through through learning and through qualifications versus other skills that you've picked up through just life experience yeah inside and outside of of coaching so yeah i think it, that that's that's a pretty good like you're experience and your journey so far has been a pretty good example of that but and it'd be really interesting actually to hear what other people have to say as well yeah definitely um, if anyone wants to pitch in on that send us a message i'd also love to hear it if people would like to like kind of chime in as well you know with sending messages like what they think they are looking for in terms of qualifications and experience oh, yeah, in a coach um you know because i i'd be interested sometimes sometimes i find that if an athlete has a lot of experience it can be nerve-wracking coaching them because you don't want to fuck up mm. you know and i'm not saying that i don't know i wouldn't know what to do i might not know what to do i'm fully capable of admitting that but it's they ultimately have been through the ringer probably more than you have right yeah and so i think it's important to understand what level of experience you both have so that you are able to figure out okay what have you done before what can we be doing and it can pay off because you can have a fresh perspective you don't mm. have to have a load of experience to be able to um you know coach someone to a high level of course you don't I mean, it, it, we've just said, yeah, it would help, but it's not the be all and end all. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. Yeah. We would very much appreciate your feedback. Um, we'll be bringing on a few guests soon, which will be exciting. Exciting times. Um, if you're not sick of hearing just our voices. Absolutely. Which I'm sure you're not. No, I'm sure they're not. Absolute delight. <laughs> afternoon delight i'm not sure where that's from but it's just stuck in my head now anyway <laughs> before we go on a tangent guys thank you so much for listening we'll catch you on the next episode of into the unknown peace so Yushwag, do you want to plug where people can find you yeah so on instagram i am at yushuan.su.eventing on facebook i am yushuan.su.eventing and my website is suyushuaneventing.com what about you connor Mine is at Connor Lift Stuff on Instagram and at Stoic Strength Systems on Instagram. And we was also just set up a Patreon under the same name, Stoic Strength Systems. So give those a follow. I will put the links all down in the description if I figure out how to do it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, share and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next time.